Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it. They win again. No surprise there. They beat the Knicks. They're supposed to beat the Knicks. The Knicks are bad. The Knicks are on a long Western road trip. They're at the end of it. They're going back to back. They were on the West Coast. They got in at a freakishly late hour having played. The Jazz are at home rest. I mean, it really adds up to it ought to be an easy win. And it was. You ought to, and PK hates the phrase, but you ought to jump on them early. And the Jazz did. And the bench should come in. And the bench should play really well and earn themselves more minutes and give the starters a break because the Jazz have some guys who've been playing big minutes, 35, 36, 37 minutes, because that's what they've had to do to win some close games. And they've played 7 of 9, now 7 of 10, I guess, on the road. And there's been a lot of travel, and guys are worn out, and Donovan Mitchell's been sick. Um... Quinn Snyder tried to downplay it, and Donovan tried to downplay it, and then Boyan Bogdanovich said, yeah, Donovan hasn't been feeling good the last couple days, so it was good that he only had to play 25 minutes. <laughs> so okay, we'll get to that in the best of postgame show. So all those things happened. Uh, they did come out and jump on them early. They are up by 10 points after one quarter. And the bench played really well in the second quarter. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier was left in. Normally Donovan come back in for him. But I think Quinn knew a couple things. One, he knew, uh, well, several things. He knew Emmanuel Moutier was playing well. And he knew that Donovan Mitchell wasn't feeling good and needed some rest and had played big minutes. And he also knew that Moutier was playing his former team and guys are motivated and they're likely to have really good games against their old team. And all those things came together. And so they just left him in for the rest of the quarter. And by halftime, it was, it was over. I, I don't know if you thought it was over after one quarter or in the middle of the second quarter, but anybody who didn't think that was over at halftime clearly didn't watch the entire first half. That was over. Jazz were up 72-53 at the break, and they dispatched a bad, tired team at home, as they should have. And they cruised to a 128-104 victory, a 22-point win. Now, you don't want to get too excited about this. This is what a lot of good teams should do to the Knicks. As a matter of fact, it's what the Lakers did to the Knicks the night before when they won by 30 in L.A. You ought to be beating the Knicks by 20-plus points. So the Lakers and the Jazz did. Jazz improved to 25-12. and And I have talked all along about how the Jazz... Um, I thought, with the moves they made in the offseason, had a chance to be a 55-win team or to be the three-seed in the West. I'd be satisfied with either one of those things. If they win 55, and it still doesn't get them into the three-seed, because a couple teams make great moves and everything comes together, and who knows who's going to be added to the trade deadline, uh, so be it. You know, for a team that's been at 48-50 and 51 wins the last three years, 55 is a clear step forward. It's progress. Uh, if the West was really deep, which it turns out it isn't, but I didn't know that in the preseason, uh, if the West is really deep and it beats itself up and the Jazz get the three seed, even though they don't get to 55 wins, well, that's good enough. You know, the, the three seed's a good prize. And I'll tell you, I was talking about this with uh, David Locke, and we can discuss this with him um, when he comes on on Friday. Um, if you look at a lot of the people, and Locke does it, and 538 does it, and there's other websites that do it, you know, and they run all these simulations, and where are the Jazz going to end up? Well, they're probably going to end up um, at the pace they're going around 55, 56 wins. That's the pace they're on right now. They just didn't need to sustain this. They're 25 and 12. And clearly, they lost some games early with a bad bench, and that issue has been fixed. And I thought if they could even get to 24 wins midway through the season that they could get to 55 because Quinn's teams are usually much better in the second half than the first half. And I think they're turning that corner and we're seeing that improvement. And they're 25 and 12. They got four games to go until the midway point of the season. And what are they going to be when they get there? I mean, could they be 29 and 12? Could they win them all? Even if they drop one, will they be 28 and 13? Worst case scenario, I think they split the next four and they're 27 and 14. And you're still on about a 55 win pace. And so Locke was talking about how 
two through six could all be between 52 and 56 wins. And the Clippers are clearly going to load manage, no matter what they call it, but they're going to rest Kawhi Leonard throughout this season. And if that costs him two or three games, that could be the difference between being a two seed and being a five seed. And last year, a lot was made of, hey, can you get to the opposite side of the bracket from the Warriors and from the Rockets? And sure enough, the Rockets end up four and the Warriors end up one. And the Jazz end up five, and they end up on the same side with the two best teams in the conference. And they get knocked out in the first round. And if they had somehow pulled off a miracle upset, they would have gotten knocked out in the second round. Whereas Denver and Portland, who weren't necessarily that much better than the Jazz, but they had the better record, they go to the other side of the bracket, and they play for the right to go to the conference final, which sounds better. Now, the truth is, nobody was that close to the, to the Warriors, except possibly the Rockets. So it's kind of semantics, but you still feel better about yourself. The same thing could play out this year. Are the Lakers and Clippers more equipped than everybody else to get deep into the playoffs and to get to the NBA Finals? They've got star players with championship experience. Multiple championships, right? LeBron's got three and Kawhi's got two. And Denver doesn't have anybody. The, the Jazz Stars don't have that. Um, as good as Harden is, he doesn't have that. He has played in a final with Oklahoma City, but he hasn't won one. And he was you know, more of a role guy in Oklahoma City with Durant and with Westbrook. So, again this year, even though it's different teams, it's now the Lakers and Clippers instead of the Warriors and Rockets. But can you end up on the other side of the bracket from at least two of those teams? Especially if they're the Lakers and Clippers. There's a long way to go, but it's something to keep your eye on going forward. And it's something to think about on a night when you really don't have to break down the Knicks game because the Jazz were just way better. Uh, If there was one thing I thought Ed Davis, who's been relegated to third string, had a chance to come in and he played so poorly that Quinn called timeout and took him out. So if you're wondering how that battle at backup center is going and how much Bradley is in front of Davis, uh, I think Davis getting taken out of the end of that game and Bradley getting put back in, um, I think that matters. Uh, I didn't think Ed played that well and I think Quinn pretty much announced that that's what he thought too. Even though he's never going to say it, he's never going to embarrass a veteran like that. I think actions speak louder than words and taking him out of a blowout to put Bradley back in, I think I think it spoke volumes. Bradley ended up playing 15 minutes and Davis ended up playing six and a half. So, all right, there's the uh, the story is the Jazz beat the Knicks 128 to 104, the final score. It was a solid thumping, and the Jazz get the win they need. All right, coming up later in the hour, we got the best of the Jazz postgame show. Coming up next, Roxy Bernstein. Pika and I talked him uh, talked him late in the show yesterday. He's calling the BYU St. Mary's game tonight. That is a big game. Uh, you look at KenPom.com, and both St. Mary's and BYU are well inside the NCAA tournament field, running 29th and 30th, I think. That's, that's pretty solid territory in the West Coast Conference, shaping up like a three-bid league. Now, that's now, as we sit here in early, moving towards mid-January. Uh, there's a lot of games to go, and somebody could, you know, stub their toe. But right now, they got three teams in pretty good shape. Uh, Gonzaga is, depending on where you look, in the polls, number one, in Sagarin, number four, and Ken Palm, number 10. The point is, Gonzaga's in line for a really high seed. All right, going to take a break. We'll talk with Roxy Bernstein next. Stay with, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK and I spoke with Roxy Bernstein. Hear him call games on ESPN and the Pac-12 Network. Yes, he has worked with Bill Walton. We will talk with him about that. But we want to get his take on St. Mary's and BYU and the West Coast Conference and can anybody catch Gonzaga and how many bids in this league, how many teams are getting in, and who's going to win the game tonight? Uh, Now, we talked to him at the end of yesterday's show, so you'll hear a few tomorrow, last night references, and they'll be a little off, but you get the point. Um, I think that, uh, and I think you'll hear it as you listen to this interview, Roxy Bernstein uh, doesn't just show up and mail it in for games. He does his homework. Um, The networks are good about assigning him kind of a series or a group of teams, so he sees teams multiple times. He's seen St. Mary's before. He's pretty dialed in. I enjoyed this interview. Here's Roxy Bernstein with PK and I. Roxy, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. So, a couple of NCAA caliber teams. When you hear BYU and St. Mary's, what's the first thing you think? I think of intense. Uh, I think of exciting basketball. And over the years since BYU's joined the West Coast Conference, they've had some thrilling games that I hope were set up for another one tomorrow night. You know, you look at BYU and you can basically explain every one of their losses because with the child situation, and even when he came back to Utah, he cramped up and uh, had to leave and couldn't come back. So you can explain that. But with St. Mary's, there's some stuff I can't explain with these guys. So I'm not sure where they're at. What do you think? It's interesting because I did their game last week. And they weren't great, but they won over in San Francisco against USF. And then they travel out to Stockton on Saturday night and play UOP. And they have the four-overtime game. And, I mean, first off, they had guys like me finishing the game. They were on the floor because they had nobody left with guys fouling out. And Jordan Ford just seemed like he was fatigued beyond tired. And he really labored through the end of the game. But give Pacific credit. And Damon Stoudemire got his team to play well and, and get the win, which I think surprised a lot of people. But one thing I will say about St. Mary's is they've scheduled more aggressively this year. When you look at their non-conference and over the years, that's been a knock on Randy Bennett, right? And St. Mary's, well, they get left out of the tournament because they didn't schedule strongly in the non-conference. Well, this year, that changed for them. They, they beat Wisconsin on a neutral floor. They played Utah State already in one. They went to Phoenix and beat Arizona State. Uh, they lost to Dayton. So they have scheduled a lot more aggressively this year, maybe coming off winning the West Coast Conference Tournament last year. But it's been you know, a little bit of an uneven run for St. Mary's so far. And I think uh, some injuries have played into it with Matthias Toss being lost for the year with the torn ACL. But no, but make no mistake, this is a terrific basketball team, and you guys know how hard it is to win over in Moraga. So when you uh, look at Pacific, can you write that loss off at all? I mean, maybe, I get your point about the end of overtime, but in regulation, should they even been in this? I mean, Pacific's got a good record, but I look at their schedule. They don't have many marquee games. I mean, if you had to grade that as a loss, how bad a loss is that? How much are they going to be held accountable for that by the selection committee? Oh, they're going to be it's, – it's a bad loss. Make, make no mistake about it. Unless Pacific does something and UOP makes a run in the WCC, which I don't think anybody expects. But they're a team that's come up with some wins and they have some confidence. And Khalil Tripp had a tremendous game. But it's, it's a game where you can't allow that to happen if you're St. Mary's. You need to put it away. And I, I did think there was a bad call that went against them that would have won the game for them at the end of, I believe it was the third overtime, 
where there should have been a goaltend that wasn't called that would have essentially ended the game. Uh, but you can't rest on that. You had opportunities to put the game away earlier. They didn't. They let Pacific hang around. UOP found a way to win, but it's something that, that I think will haunt St. Mary's because uh, you know you look at the other top teams at the conference. Gonzaga is not going to lose that game, and I'd have a hard time believing BYU would lose the game. So that's why I think you can't slip up in games like that because it will come back to haunt you later in the year. And you speak of these games that BYU wouldn't slip up on, and that has been the knock against them. It's one thing to lose the St. Mary's and Gonzaga, particularly when you're playing up there in Northern California and obviously in Washington. Uh, it, it's not to the point of uh, guaranteed, but it's certainly not surprising if you lose there. I've been to both those places. They are tough to play. Uh, but the problem for BYU is they've laid some eggs against some teams that they should have beaten in the last few years and they haven't made the tournament, and you can look back to those games as one of the reasons. Now, you say they're not going to do it. When you say they're not going to do it, I don't think you're speaking historically. I think you're speaking specifically this year. What gives you confidence to be able to say those are the types of games that BYU won't lose this year? Well, nothing against Dave Rose teams, because I think Dave's an excellent coach, and he certainly played an entertaining style of basketball, right? I don't know if anybody who had a more entertaining uh, offensive game than BYU had under Dave Rose, and he had a lot of success. But it's different. Mark Pope's really got this team grinding away and playing defense. And your offense may come and go, but defense will not. And if you guys are locked in on that end of the floor, then the team is going to respond. And I think that's the difference that we've seen with this BYU team is the defensive approach just seems different. And this team seems a lot more focused and paying attention to that end of the floor where in the past it was more, okay, well, darn, we gave up a bucket. Well, I can get a bucket back. Well, this group, Mark Pope, has them playing a different style of basketball. I mean, look at the other night, for example, the game against LMU. You hold a team to under 40 points in a game. And I think that's the difference with this team as opposed to teams in the past. Look, this team can score. When you look around and the weapons they have with Haas and Childs and Barcelo and, and the way these guys can, can shoot the ball, Celius coming off the bench. This is a different approach, though, I think, for BYU in terms of how they attack you. And defense will always show up, and I think that's the difference with this team. So defending is going to be hard because I have watched a few St. Mary's games this year, uh, starting with that Wisconsin game you referenced, and they played Utah State, and there have been a couple others they've been able to catch bits and pieces of. And Jordan Ford is leading them in scoring. And sometimes the guy who leads them in scoring – they get shots, you take a lot of shots, you're good, but you're not that. He seems like he is really savvy, using screens, reusing them, hitting threes off the dribble. I mean, just the look on his face, he seems like an intense, competitive dude. They've had some NBA guys. Uh, have they got another one in him? They might. Uh, there's questions about his physical build. Is he mm-hmm. strong enough? Uh, because, let's face it, he's a 6'2" combo guard. He's not necessarily a true point, but he can play the point. He and Tommy Cousy kind of share those roles for St. Mary's, but when he is locked in, I mean, look what he did to Arizona State in that game earlier this year, and Remy Martin, I think for ASU, is one of the best point guards out west, and he absolutely destroyed Remy Martin, and Remy Martin makes his name defensively, and Jordan Ford ate him up in the first 10 minutes of that game. 
And so Jordan Ford has got that ability. And people joke, oh, he's the Steph Curry of the West Coast Conference. He does play that kind of game. But can it translate to the next level for him? We'll see. But they have a great one-two combination with him and Malik Fitz. They're still trying to figure things out in the absence of Toss. And where are those points and rebounds and where those minutes going to come from? And I think it's been a little bit of a struggle for Randy Bennett to find that because it's only been a couple of weeks since the injury to Toss happened when he tore his ACL against Nevada. They've tried to go smaller. They've tried to go bigger. And I think they're still trying to figure out what's the best lineup for St. Mary's in his absence. You think the Gales are the more desperate team under the circumstances? I think so. Just coming off that loss, I think it should motivate them more, plus they're at home. But then again, you look at at BYU coming in, and for the Cougars, they get a sense this is a a time for us to get a a signature win. And if we're going to make a push, and and everybody thinks Gonzaga's much better than everybody else in the league, and if Gonzaga's going to run away to the title, well, if BYU's going to put some pressure on them, this is a game you can get. And if you can win this game on the road, I think it puts you right there in terms of the equation for the conference and trying to make a push at Gonzaga because these are the only two teams that people see that can really challenge Gonzaga and can they? We don't know that yet. Um, Gonzaga is right now the number one team in the country. And are they the best team in the country? We'll see. It's much more parity this year in college basketball. But if BYU or St. Mary's is going to make a push toward Gonzaga, this is a game you got to get. Roxy Bernstein joining us. He'll be calling the St. Mary's-BYU game in Moraga. Uh, Gonzaga, using Ken Pomeroy, and, and Ken lives in Utah. We've had him, on, had him on the show, so we're biased to KenPom.com. But he's pretty much in line with some of the other key computer uh, analysis across the country of college basketball. He's got Gonzaga 10, St. Mary's 29, BYU 30. Those, that, those numbers put you well inside the NCAA tournament field. Do you think it's a three-bid league? Because it isn't usually. I do. I think the WCC is a three-bid league this year. When you look at the strength, and it's not just guys how good the top of the league is, because you need the bottom of your league to be good. And I think this is the most depth and balance we've seen in the West Coast Conference in a while. Because you look at the other teams in the conference, right? Santa Clara has shown you they're a pretty good basketball team. Pepperdine at times has looked good. But then they have some puzzling losses as well. San Diego has shown well. So I, I think even Pacific and, and USF have looked good at times. So I think this is a league that is better from top to bottom, which will only help as far as the RPI goes and the power ranking. And like you guys, I do pay attention to Ken Palm also because, let's face it, he, he breaks it down as well as anybody with the numbers and statistically and analytically as there is in college basketball. And the West Coast Conference is a better league. And, uh, yes, the top teams are, are very good and definitely in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. But you also need the bottom of your league to be better and not stink because you need to get those RPI points. And I think that's going to serve the WCC well this year. So most people think of Dave Pash as the guy running the <laughs> show when Bill Walton's doing the job there. But you do it also so, A, is Bill working the game, and B, what's it like working with him? I am not with Bill tomorrow night. Corey Williams will be with me in, in Moraga. But I'll be with Bill, at, I think at some point soon. I've got to check the schedule. But it's certainly a unique experience, to say the least. It's quite different than working with whoever I happen to be partnered with, whether it's Corey tomorrow night, whether it's uh, Sean Farnham, uh, whoever I happen to be 
paired up with. It's just different. My preparation's different. Uh, the way we present the game is different. But it certainly is, from my standpoint, enjoyable. Um, because I never know where the, the broadcast is going to go. And Bill doesn't clue us in. Me, the producer, director, nobody has any idea where Bill's going to go. We don't talk before the game, and he wants it that way because he wants the broadcast to be completely spontaneous and organic. And at times, yeah, it can get frustrating a little bit, but it's, it's always fun. And, you know, I go back to the, the game, what I did in Provo with Bill. We did the uh, Utah-BYU game a, a few years ago, and it was Bill's first trip to, uh, to Provo. And so he did his tour, and he got all the spots to go. I set him up. He had dinner with Tom Homo the night before, and, and Tom then texts me saying, okay, I figured out some of the method to Bill's badness. Uh, but Bill is just so inquisitive and wants to know as much about the place that he's at going into the game. And no matter what you tell Bill before the game, there's always a chance whatever you told him could get out there on the air, and you never know. But it's certainly part of the fun of working with Bill because I, I have shocked four or five times a game with something he's going to say or even do. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, but somebody from the, the, from the Rock the BYU student section walked up to him and just gave him a, a red cup of something to drink. And Bill looked at it and took a sip right on the air with us. And I go, Bill, what are you doing? Well, I was thirsty. And, and you just take a cup from, from somebody that you don't even know? Well, Yeah. And only Bill, only Bill would do that. And I guess maybe only BYU is a place in the country you can get away with that, too. <laughs> Roxy Bernstein joining us. So uh, he's having interviewed him once when he was up at Utah doing a speaking engagement. It seems like for people who think he's just completely nuts, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I don't know, an act makes it sound too fraudulent or something. But he knows what he's doing, even though it seems incredibly random. Like, there's a plan, and because of that, so when Tom's having dinner with him or when you're having dinner with him, he's not like that all the time, I guess, is what I'm getting to. No, and he knows exactly what he's doing, and he is prepared as any broadcaster, and if you speak to whether it's one of the coaches or the media relations people, Bill leaves no stone unturned. You just don't know what direction he's going to go with the information that he gets. He works extremely hard. It's not just complete random stream of consciousness, crazy old guy talking. There is a definite genius to Bill. He knows precisely what he's throwing out there. He is trying to incite a reaction in you watching him. He is there for entertainment. He understands. And there is there's a definite genius to what Bill is doing. And if people could just see behind the scenes what he does, they would understand uh, a lot of what Bill is about. And he, if you'll see him after games, for example, he'll be there in the sta- waiting until everybody either there's – there's always a line. People wanted to take a picture, wanting an autograph with Bill, and maybe this comes from Coach Wooden in his days at UCLA. But Bill will stay there until every autograph is signed, every picture is taken, and he is wonderful with the fans and everybody, and he's so appreciative of what he's able to do and where he's at right now in his life. Roxy, we appreciate a few minutes on uh, Bill Walton, BYU, and St. Mary's, and thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game. 
You got it, guys. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun in Moraga tomorrow night. There's Roxy Bernstein, and uh, love the inside look on what it is like to work with Bill Walton. Just throwing everybody curveballs. Nobody in the truck knows. The producer, the director, his play-by-play partner. Nobody knows what's coming up. Bill just wheeling and dealing. All right. We've got to take a break. When we come back, the best of the jazz post-game show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. The Utah Jazz get her done. Win number seven in a row. 12 out of 13. 13 out of the last 15. The wins are piling up. The Jazz are now 25 and 12. With a chance to have 28 or 29 wins at the midway point of the season. They got Charlotte coming up at home tomorrow night. All right, we are going to uh, let you listen to the postgame show. Here are the guys wrapping it up. Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz beat the Knicks last night 128-104, and it uh, wasn't even that close. The Jazz mopping the floor with the Knicks last night. Led by uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Emmanuel Moutier, who both had 20 points. Moutier had the best game of his season uh, against his old team, four assists to go along with those uh, those 20 points. Donovan Mitchell was 16. Rudy Gobert was 16 points and 16 boards. Uh, Joe Ingles with 11 points to go along with five assists. Joe scheduled to be on DJ and PK a little bit later on. Uh, this morning. Bench scoring was good as well. Tony Bradley with 12 coming off the bench. George Niang with 11. Uh, Jordan Clarkson with 11. And uh, Emmanuel Moutier, as we mentioned, with 20 points. Let's get you started with some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Played really well. Um, you know, I know we got a, got an early lead, but, you know, for them to be um, on the, the final game of a, a road trip and to have guys out, you know, the way that they competed credit to their coaching staff and their players both Quinn 16 wins in a row over teams with sub 500 records what's the key to just staying up every night to have no idea that we've won 16 games in a row over anybody and to keep getting better and whether you know that to me record and it's certainly you know it's certainly relevant and means something but you know, the, the, it's hard to get wins in the NBA. I don't, I don't care who you're playing against or what their record is. It's a tough league, and um, every time you win a game, you, you know it's it's a, you should feel good about it. And but to me, the, the the how you're playing is is more important than whether you're winning. And those things are you know, obviously correlated. And um, I think our our group's getting better and. The thing I told them afterwards is I I felt like we continued to play the right way throughout the whole game. And, you know, they know what that means. Uh, we talked a lot about Emmanuel before the game, but what can you say about his performance tonight? Well, I, I think he approached this as any game. And um, obviously, you know, he's aware, we're aware that you know, he was in New York last year, but he didn't force himself on the game. Just he played. He, he more than anybody. He played the right way. He made good decisions. Didn't hunt his shot. You know. He played defense. He just. He played. He played every part of the game. And 
sometimes in a situation like that, you can, you know, get focused on your game. And he didn't do that. He was focused on our game. It's a, it's a credit to him, you know, fully in his, all of his preparation and, and the work that he's put in. You know, he's worked, he's worked, he's worked, and it hasn't always been an easy road. You know, he's sometimes he's coming in the game for three minutes and coming out, and that's what it is. And for him to be able to handle different rotations and different matchups, you know, that's that's a guy that's really becoming a true pro. Two things, Gwen. One, we saw Donovan go to the locker room and come back a couple times. Is mm-hmm. he feeling ill, or you know, do you know what the reason was for that? He, he's he's in good shape. Yeah, that that uh, you know everybody's healthy right now, and there's always. There's always fatigue and there's always bumps and bruises, but um, you know he's another guy that I thought continued to play the right way. Okay, and then I also wanted to ask, just when it is a when the I guess the outcome is determined late in the game, what are you looking to evaluate in those final few minutes? That kind of already answered your question. Okay. You know, I'm looking at when when I, are you asking me when I say play the right way, what does it mean? Continue to make the extra pass, transition defense, um, you know, differentiating if they're making a shot. You know, did we go over on Ellington, you know, or under and he hit a shot? Are we getting contests? Are we blocking out and getting rebounds? Sometimes someone's going to be bigger and longer and, and jump up and get a tip dunk. But um, us doing the things that, you know, that, that have helped us become a better team, just continuing to do them regardless of, of, you know, the scoreboard or whatever. And that's, you know, everybody that comes in the game has an opportunity to do that and just maintain that focus. You've had to play seven of nine on the road, and you've had to play some guys big minutes to mm-hmm. win some close games. How important was it to sit a lot of the front line, get the starters to play those big minutes, and have no one play thirty minutes in this one? Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I think we we had a similar situation in New Orleans um, on a on a slightly different level, even in a close game. So, um, you know, our bench is doing a really good job. You know, I think obviously Jordan's addition, um, he's able to absorb. Um, absorb minutes. Um, you know, we've with Rajon's addition, we've been able to, you know, play him in a window in, in the second quarter, and um, those things are always, you know, you go into every game. It's a little bit different based on matchups and um, various things. But I think, you know, guys are connected, and you know, those combinations in the floor, everybody's been playing the right way. You're not always going to have the result you want. Um, you know, Orlando, Terrence Ross comes in. And, you know, scores 12 points in like two minutes, and that wasn't necessarily you know that group that was on the court um, not playing well. That was Terrence Ross. So um, we're 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 trying to keep our group connected. You know, keep everybody as fresh as you can. Um, but again, as you said tonight, we were able to spread some minutes around, and that is a good thing. Quinn, the offense has been humming lately, mm-hmm. and even on nights when the defense isn't. Well, I know that you like to say that if you play defense, the offense will come. But yeah. even on nights when it hasn't been there, can you attribute that to anything? Or you think it's just like that time of the season where things are getting more comfortable? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, we've worked hard, you know, and, and a lot of the time that, that guys um, have been willing to put in whether. Um, the repetitions and the habits that's created even more of a connection and, and I think the, the detail the, just like the accuracy like to say we're throwing strikes um, so the accuracy of your passes you know 
all all the little things you can do using shot fakes, using foot fakes, the stuff that sometimes you look at as kind of being, you know, so fundamental that you you don't need it. Like that's the stuff you needed in high school. It's the stuff you need every game, and you know the result is that you know you you, you play more efficiently when you play with more precision. And I think it's been something that our guys you have to you know I hope they'd agree with me, but. Um, I've been, you know, our staff has felt really good about their willingness to, to be coached. And um, like you said, that, that is a process. You know, you have to kind of find out more and more um, what you need. But we're getting more connected um, and, you know, we're getting to know each other and we're getting to know a style of play that, that everybody believes in. But sometimes what you believe in, what you do, you know, there's a gap there, and we're, we're closing that gap. You've got Charlotte coming up in 48 hours. You saw them not that long ago. What do you have to do to prepare for them to keep this going? I think that the biggest thing is for us just to move to the next game. To, to You know, we've been, you know, one of the things we've really dove in on, on film when we've had an opportunity. Even that can sometimes, um, you know, take up space that, that – you want to prepare for the game when you're looking kind of back at what you did or didn't do well. But that, that's been, I think, something because we have played so many games that that's another way that, that we've tried to, to get better. Um, and that said, you know, our ability to kind of put one behind us, take from it what we need, you know, and, and try to keep getting better with the things we need to do better and then you know, get ready to go again and not think about anything other than being Charlotte and what that means. Okay. As Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team beat the Knicks 128 to 104. Let's get to Emmanuel Moutier who went off against his old team. So you probably have some kind of internal clock and know when it's about time for you to come out of the game. Mm-hmm. In the first half when Quinn left you in for that long stretch, did you you know what's happening, you know why it was happening? No, I didn't. I just approached like I said, man, I approached this game like it was any other game. Uh my same routine, same rotation. I, you know, I was expecting. I think Don was going to come back in, but uh, he let me go in there and, and stay. You know, I really appreciate that. Sh- that shows what type of guy he is. I see your guys' seventh straight win. You've now won 12 of your last 13 games. What would you attribute this sort of stretch of success to? I think guys just coming together, playing together, and doing great. Um, everybody's kind of getting comfortable with each other, and defensively, we're you know we're locking in. I think during crunch time, we're we're more focused than you know than ever before, and you know everybody's everybody's making big, big plays when needed. Before the game, your coach said he has liked your commitment to grow as a player. In what ways have you seen your game evolve? Uh, just my IQ. Uh, you know, I thought I was a pretty okay, smart player until I came here. So when I came here, he took it to another level. And I'm committed. Like I said, everybody told me what type of coach uh, Coach uh, Quinn was when I came here. So, like I said, I bought in. And I'm just going to continue to try to get better and try to do what I can for my teammates. In addition to your scoring, we saw you make some nice point guard placement. Do you feel like that element of your game is going along? Yeah, uh, just knowing when to get your own and when to get everybody involved. I think that's that's what a point guard needs to do. Uh, you know, especially nowadays, you got a lot of you know scoring point guards, but at the same time, you can't forget the position you play. Is it hard at all to keep your foot on the gas when you guys build big leads like that? And what was the key to being able to do that tonight? 
yeah, I mean, when you get a big lead like that, the hardest thing in the NBA is to play with a big lead. But at the same time, like Coach said, when he came in, came in here, we just played the right way. Uh, if you play the right way, the, basket, the basketball guy's going to bless you. So it was good. In 48 hours, as much fun as this was, you got to be ready for Charlotte. You saw them not long ago. What do you remember about them? What have you got to do Friday night? Uh, their guard play is really, really good. You know, they got Terry Rozier uh, and they got Graham. So we just got to try to contain those two guys first. And then just like I said, man, focus on jazz basketball. I think that's the main thing right now. Thanks. Guys, that's Emmanuel Moutier. Let's go back to you. Emmanuel Moutier, 20 points, four assists, three rebounds, and a terrific, terrific performance uh, for him uh, once again against his old team. All right, let's uh, keep going. Let's go with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. I mean, just the joy that we that we have between each other to play, to play, to play together today. Tonight was the same kind of of game. In the first first quarter, we kind of trade the baskets with the with the them, and then from from second second quarter, we started to play our our defense, our game, and uh, at the end was was kind of easy game for us. As much as you guys were clicking offensively, do you feel like it was because it, it was close there for for a while? Do you feel like it was the defense that? That separated. <laughs> See, they were they were making fun of me last two days, but I I I triple my numbers tonight, so I'm good. I'm good. No, I mean we are getting we are getting better both defensively and uh, and offensively. Actually, we had a JC new guy, so he trying to trying to find find himself in in, in our in our system. So, but like you say. Playing, playing good basketball and winning the games helped to build that, that chemistry. When the ball is moving like that, how much energy does that give your team both ends of the floor and how much rhythm does your team find with that? I mean, just playing playing great defense gave us confidence and gave us opportunity to to run, and that's that's how we how we want to play. We had a lot of lot of easy easy layups tonight, and then then Rudy did a great job once again, <coughs> rolling rolling to the basket. You and several of your teammates have had to play some really big minutes and really close games. How nice was it to? Have to play less than 30 minutes tonight and have the bench carry the load for a big stretch. It was great for all of us, especially to Dono, and he was he was kind of sick for last 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 two days. So <laughs> he was sick for last two days, so he didn't have a, he didn't have energy. So it was great for like you mentioned for all of us to to have a little bit little bit of rest. You just played Charlotte a little while ago, so they're probably a little fresh in your mind. What do you got to do uh, to get ready to beat them on Friday night? We gotta keep playing our our defense and and, and move the ball of offensively. You know how how they can be dangerous. They are they're shooting a lot of lot of trees. That was the the game plan over there to to limit their trees. That's gonna be the the same 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 thing on a, on a Friday night. Guys, that's Boyan Bogdanovich. Let's go back to. You. That was Boyan Bogdanovich, 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting. Uh, Joe Ingles kind of uh, teasing him a little bit. He had a funny line there where he uh, tripled his assist and rebound stats uh, from the other night against New Orleans, where, of course, he had zero in both uh, of those categories. All right, let's now let you hear from Donovan Mitchell. So how, how nice was it to not have to play 35 minutes tonight and have the bench go on a run? Man, it was great. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, 
it's tough against, you know, sometimes you, you win a bunch of games, you kind of get complacent. You know, sometimes teams, that happens with teams. But for us, we came out strong. You know, they hit some tough shots to start. But, you know, all around we guarded well. We moved the ball well. You know, we found things that, you know, have been there for us. And it's it's, it's always great to get a, a little bit of a rest, for sure. Your team has a scouting report on the opponent, obviously. But at the end of the day, it seems like it's more about what you do and the way you guys perform. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, we, we control what we can control. You know, we go out there, you know, execute a game plan uh, defensively. You know, I think there was a time where they kind of made a little bit of a push. We kind of let them do whatever they wanted or get to wherever they wanted, excuse me, on, uh, on the offensive end. Then we made a pushback. They scored two points after, like, the timeout around the seven-minute mark from that point on. And I think that was, you know, that's what got back to what we were doing and, you know, having Rudy down there, you know, making it making it tough, obviously. Then offensively, moving the ball, sharing the ball. Emmanuel played a hell of a game tonight. You know, I think that's, that's what we needed. We see Emmanuel in the games with the production. When was it behind the scenes you could see him really starting to come around to jazz basketball? A while ago, I think. You know, for him, it's just a matter of just taking his time and being patient. You know, he's obviously aggressive getting to the rim, but now he's finding guys, you know, he has a few a few dimes today that are pretty nice. You know, being able to slow down, fake, shot fake, and um, find guys who are open. Also get to his spot, which is the mid-range. You know, I've been, I was talking to somebody. I was like, man, his his percentage must be crazy in the mid-range. I haven't seen him miss a mid-range shot all month or all year. I'm going to be that person all year. <laughs> I got to ask, are you feeling 100% right now? I'm great. <laughs> How have you avoided letdowns? Um, I think just continuing to find ways to, to like I said, build on what we what we do. You know, at the end of the day, you can't control who um, who you play. You know, what their record is, what how they may play, but we can control what we do. You know, how to improve. You know, we we understand that we don't forget that East Coast trip. You know, when we played Philly, Toronto, and somebody else you know it wasn't a great strip for us right we remember that and it's fresh in our heads so we're going to continue to keep that same mindset of pre- progressing forward coach Snyder kept referring to this team getting connected tonight uh, how would you describe the chemistry of this team at this point um, it's it's uh i didn't expect it to take as much of a leap as it did you know you understood when we all came in we were all you know gelling really well and then you had the addition of jordan and, and rajon have been great you know they came in you know especially with those two being able to guard you know offensively are obviously we've seen a spike as well but being able to guard being able to do the little things i think is gone you know it's, it's been really good for us you're seeing Charlotte here pretty quickly two times together. What have you got to do to beat them, reflecting back on that first match? Contain their guards. You know, Devontae and Terry are guys who can really get going. Um, they're both having a great year. Devontae's having a hell of a year for sure. Um, so we just got to be able to go out there and defend. And like I said, do what we do. You know, go out there and just compete. You know, make things, make it tough on them and, and find ways to uh, to get better. Royce, Tony Bradley, George Nyang, I mean, the names go on and on about guys behind the scenes with the stars, things like that, to eventually break through and help this team. Do you get the sense in this organization that if you have the right mindset and work ethic that it's eventually going to break through? Because we have, in this organization, man, you know, I obviously haven't played for anyone else, but I've been told that this is such a great place compared to other places. You know, the the, access, the accessibility of the coaches, of the management, of the training staff, of everybody, like being able to develop. You know, I, I look at myself to put for a player I've gotten to be in three years you know I was nowhere near that you know when I got into the league you look at Tony Bradley his confidence you know he's still missing shots on purpose to get his boards but <laughs> not, but um like you look at like I look at Tony especially Tony and Royce like guys who came in we came in together and it's like man like you could see the progression you could see you know how far all three of us have really come you know in that matter of time and, and I, think th- I think that adds an element of confidence not only yourself but the coaches have confidence you know to put you out there to make plays to to understand and I think you uh, wouldn't want to be anywhere else Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back to you. 
That was Donovan Mitchell, 16.6 assists. Only played 25 minutes. Donovan getting a little rest. Uh, he kind of denied it there, but uh, rumor has it Donovan has a bit of a cold, so uh, wasn't feeling well. So probably a good thing that uh, that he could get away with playing 25 minutes last night. All right, let's now let's hear from Rudy Gobert. What did you think of, of Emmanuel's play tonight and just sort of how he's started to click with you guys? I think he gave us a great spark. You know, he came in locked in and uh, – I thought he was, you know, he was doing, he was making the right play offensively and uh, and uh, was being physical defensively. So it was a great game for him. When you watch Tony, what has impressed you most about the way he just continues to grow every day? I think it's it's like when you watch him, you you, you realize that he's having an impact now for us, but he can he can get so much better. You know, I feel like in a lot of areas, in a lot of little things that. I think it comes with time, you know, especially defensively. I feel like uh, it just comes with playing time, and you know, every every week I feel like he's got better and better. So I'm excited to see, you know, what he's going to bring for us, and that's why I keep telling him we want, we're going to need him, you know, and whether it's at the end of the season against uh, against a very good teams uh, for the play playoff push, or especially in the playoffs, you know, if we. If you want to win a championship, it's going to be key to have him uh, at the high, at the high level. When you watch so many players progress, game in, game out, all of that, how much has coaching been a part of that, and how can you describe the trust with that coaching staff and the players? I mean, every everyone is a part of that. You know, the, the, from the coaching to the, I mean, the, the chef, I don't know, the training staff, everyone. You know, we we all on the same boat, and uh, you know, I feel like we really take everything seriously. We know that it's a long season, and the goal is always to keep getting better and to keep keep winning today, but keep getting better and get everybody ready for something bigger. Do you feel you've improved defensively this season, and if so, in what ways? I, I feel like I improved. I, know I, I mean, I knew this season was going was going to be more challenging, especially with uh, Derek not there anymore. Um, but I feel like you know, as a as a leader. Uh, we had to adjust early in the season. We, st- we it took a while, especially in the preseason. But I felt like we we've embraced that, you know, and everyone uh, really stepped the level up. You know, we've been doing it every night, and we had a stretch where we weren't very good defensively, but we we all knew it, and uh, we cleaned it up pretty quick. And now we we're back doing what we do, and I still feel like we have room to grow, but we're on a on the right path. You were pretty active on the free throw line tonight. How are you feeling from that spot during the season? <laughs> In Spanish? Me, me, me siento muy bien. Muy bien. Puedo, puedo hacer un pequeño mejor, pero muy bien. I think that Menzies get a little better. My doing Spanish good? better too. I'm oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to translate for radio. I, I apologize. Defense, but <laughs> it's getting there for sure. So is, is today Tony Bradley's birthday? Si, senor. <laughs> These amigos, I'm English. <laughs> Feliz cumpleaños, Tony Bradley. How, how do you assess the season almost halfway into it, where you are as a team and in, individually, Rudy? I mean, I think, uh, you know, we obviously we we know that we can be better, but I'm, I'm happy with the way we we. We're grinding, you know, the way we got better, you know, every every month, and uh, it's fun to be a part of. You know, we have a great group of guys that that go in every day to to get better, and we know that 
the goal is not to to be a great regular season team. The goal is to when the playoffs start, you know, get ready to to try to go all the way. And we know we have a lot of work to do, and we we embrace that. So you think it's a championship caliber team? I'm you know I'm here to win a championship. I think we all do. You know, we know that there's only one team going to win it, but we we know that if you put the work in, we hopefully can be in the mix. I know you're a boxing fan. Met Klitschko. Do you like meeting people who are like achieving at the highest level like that, like a former heavyweight champion like that? I mean, it's always great. You know, it's always great. I, I didn't get to talk with him much, but it's always great to to meet some people that have accomplished a lot of things. You're, you're a big box. You're a boxing fan, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you think you would fare against someone like that? <laughs> I'll knock him out. <laughs> Last one over here. Rudy, um, with the way that you guys have been playing these last seven games, how sustainable is that? You just gotta keep getting better. You know, as long as our focus is there and our mindset is in the right place, you know, we know that every night is gonna be a new challenge, and whoever is in front of us is is an opportunity for us to win and to get better. That's that's kind of like the mindset we have. You know, we're not worried about scheduled or you know who we play all that we just come in every day try to get a win and try to get better guys that's rudy gobert let's go back to you that was rudy gobert 16 points 16 rebounds rudy also had four assists last night uh, up next for the utah jazz they play the charlotte hornets coming up tomorrow night at vivin smart home arena that game will tip off at seven o'clock pre-game coverage will begin at six shows the jazz get a win what is trending next